Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Could have been Twiggy or something. I, who the fuck knows? Um, <laughs> Twiggy. <laughs> I don't know where I can. I don't know why that's the one that popped in my head. <laughs> Welcome to Gold, Diamonds, and Death, a James Bond podcast. I am your double O host, Jonathan Watkins. I am a writer for All Things Under the CinemaSins brand name and a co-host of the Behind the Sins podcast. Joining me each and every week for this endeavor, he is the co-founder of CinemaSins, co-host of the weekly podcast, uh, Recotopia, and he is the former president of the George Lazenby Fan Club. Most people don't know this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the Tennessee chapter specifically, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty big here. Uh, and one of my good friends, Mr. Chris Atkinson. How are you doing? Hello, hello. And and uh, as all fans know, his name is pronounced Lazenby and not oh. Lazenby. So. I even have that in my notes, and I still said it wrong. Although it could be one of those things where it's like, oh, you're so very British, aren't you? You have to make the long <laughs> A in a, something that looks like a short A when you, when you look at it. But anyway, yes, George Lazenby. <laughs> He's from Australia. Yeah, and I mean, and I guess that does make sense because L A Z E lays mm-hmm. is a is a word. Yeah, so I, I, that, that does actually make sense. That's why I wrote it down, but I had it in my other notes, not in my uh, outline mm-hmm. for the podcast. So I screwed yeah. it up. All, we're already off to a great start. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so this week uh, we are talking about on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is kind of a weird like. Uh, in between movie for you know like it really between, is between two connery it films plays like an in between movie too yeah. it does it does yeah let's just get down to it i guess let's just start talking about this movie mm-hmm. so uh we will uh go on to our first segment which we like to call eon flux this is a journey i'm gonna make a movie we have to go back kate wow how did you know all that stuff i did my research i don't understand any of this what the fuck is going on we are going to scour through the history of eon production and give you all the highs and lows that went into the making of these films. So what's funny is the last like two or three movies, they were supposed to make Honor Majesty's Secret Service next. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up making, uh, I think it started with Goldfinger. So I think Goldfinger, Thunderball, and You Only Live Twice, those all started off as we're going to adapt Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And then for whatever reason, due to, you know, they couldn't get to Switzerland or they couldn't do this, you know. They kept changing it. What's funny, though, is that uh, in this film, oh, I always forget to do. I, I always forget to mention this, but I do want to say that my uh, uh, the information I'm getting is a combination of online research and a book called Nobody Does It Better by Mark A. Altman and Edward Cross that I recommend to any Bond fan that wants to know more. And I'm, I mean, I'm barely scratching the surface of what they talk about in that book. It's crazy. But anyways, what I was going to say was that uh, this was not supposed to be, they were actually going to make The Man with the Golden Gun was going to mm. be the next movie. Mm. So it's like by the time they actually do Honor Magic Secret Service, they're actually trying to do another movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going to do Man with the Golden Gun with Roger Moore. 
Hmm. Uh, he was going to be because Connery did retire. I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but Connery did announce while they were filming You Only Live Twice, I'm done. Uh, as anybody probably knows, he's not done. But going into this, they thought he was. So they were going to cast Roger Moore. They were going to do Man with the Golden Gun. And they were they had it set up to shoot in Cambodia. And there was a lot of uh, what I read was political instability. I don't know all the specifics. I didn't like do a history of Cambodia. But there was a lot of stuff going on to where that location had to be ruled out. They didn't have another backup. And also Roger Moore, because this took so long, Roger Moore actually signed on to another series, as they call them in England. I guess that would be a season here. Uh, of the saint mm-hmm. uh, which was a tv show I, I i don't know if that's what got him in the spotlight i'm not i don't i don't know a lot about roger moore's like or pre-bond i really i've never watched not the sure saint. i think the saint is his biggest thing at that yeah at i think that so point. going yeah. before bond yeah mm-hmm. i believe that's kind of what he was known for he did have 16 episodes of maverick under his belt well there you uh, go. at this point so people probably did know him from maverick at, at this point the james garner series yeah um so i mean he had a little bit of of notoriety but like yeah. i i would say that well notoriety that sounds like he he's an asshole well the maverick's um, probably what more people knew for him in the states I would yeah think. so he was a little bit he's a and yeah i'm sure there was some you know like highfalutin mm. british series oh so english aren't you no anyway <laughs> there was probably some series that they knew him from in england or like a, a yeah. play or something like that or whatever but the saint is probably the one thing that made yeah, him a i big would star. think so so anyway so they couldn't do that so then they decided to go with Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Basically, they just threw out, because of all these things, they decided to go ahead and go back to that. I guess they were able to get the stuff going on in Switzerland and whatnot. They brought Peter Hunt on to direct. We've talked about Peter Hunt because he's been an editor for some of the previous films and a second unit director. Uh, this was kind of a deal they made with him eventually that like he would get a chance to direct a Bond film. This is the only Bond film he does. Uh, and he never actually works on a Bond film after this, even as an editor or anything. But uh, he also he did he did have a bit of a directing career. It's not major, and there's not a ton of huge movies that a lot of people know. But I will mention there's a couple of movies I really enjoy. There's 1976's Shot at the Devil, which is a war film with Lee Marvin and Roger Moore. He did eventually get to work with Roger Moore, and then he did this action film with Charles Bronson, also with Lee Marvin, called Death Hunt. Uh, so if anyone's curious to check out some more Peter Hunt films, but uh, he only did like seven or eight, I think is what I, what I read, but those are the only two that I had seen mm-hmm. other than on her Majesty's secret service. They were, they did as they wanted, as they had been wanting to this whole time, they did shoot this on location. They were in Switzerland. They also shot some in England and some in uh, Portugal, but uh, I can't tell you how, I don't mean to be like, I'm, you know, get off my lawn, but just seeing a movie shot on film, at an actual location is just so refreshing. It's, it really is. It really is. <laughs> it gives like something we totally took for granted mm-hmm. <laughs> 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now we're like, after now that Disney's invented these cameras and stuff where they never have to go anywhere mm-hmm. and you can tell they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, there obviously are still movies shot on location, uh, especially now that we're getting, you know, the COVID restrictions are a little less and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, um, so you do get you do get more shot on location now than you were for the last few years, but still, whenever they can, they you know they obviously they don't do it, and I get it because if you've got all this technology, why spend the money to send a bunch of people to Switzerland? And mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I totally get it. There's no, I don't have a problem with it. There's still great looking movies made. It's just different, you know. Uh, 
Richard Maybaum is brought back to write the screenplay. The idea for this one was that they wanted to kind of get away from the gadgets and gizmos and do something more in the vein of From Russia with Love, which it totally feels mm-hmm. like we're kind of back in a From Russia with Love type, yeah. type, type movie, for sure. There was another writer, although I didn't see them credited in what I looked, but I read about this. There was another writer that Peter Hunt brought on named Simon Raven. And that was just specifically to write some of the dialogue between uh, Diana Riggs' character Tracy and Telly Savalas's uh, Blofeld. Mm-hmm. And but everything else, from what I could tell, was was Richard was the return of Richard Mavon. So everybody would know that it was definitely supposed to be in the same continuity as the Connery films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will notice there's a lot of references to the other films. Uh, there's this really weird uh, fourth wall break. Uh, at the end of the pre-credit sequence where he says, what is it, mm. this never happens to the other guy? Yeah, this never happened yeah. to the other guy. Which is apparently, by the way, apparently something that he used to, he was saying on set That's uh, funny. during <laughs> filming of the movie. I didn't uh, read that. That's funny. Yeah, the uh, in the behind the scenes on this, the... Um, Peter Hunt said something like, "Why don't you just say that line you've always been you've been saying the whole movie or where?" Because they shot that last, <laughs> I think, one of the last things, and uh, and he and he's like, "This never happened to the other guy." So <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, they also the opening credits uh, they show scenes from the other films. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. you know they show a bunch of scenes in the opening credits. So that was another way they did it. Uh, there's also apparently a character whistling the theme to Goldfinger. I did not catch that, but they said there's a character in the movie that's that's doing that. So yeah, and there's uh, also someone singing that under the cherry tree. Under the what is that? What's oh that? wow! Under the what is that che- tree? What's what kind of tree is it? Under the cherry tree? Under the whatever? Under someone the, hold on. Or the willow tree? God, I can't remember uh, the name. Yeah, I'm looking it up because I am curious now. Uh, Mango. Under the mango tree. So someone is singing that uh, oh, okay. in in this movie at some point, too. So there's a lot of these little like things that they keep yeah. bringing up. They even bring back the hat gag uh, in this. Yep. So yep. Lazenby just comes in and just fires it towards yeah, and gets it, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, because one of the things that this movie had an issue with that the book didn't, because, and we'll talk about this more in the book section, but as we talked a little bit about last week, you know, uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service was before You Only Live Twice. Yeah. So You Only Live Twice is dealing with the stuff that happens in Honor Majesty's Secret Service in the books. But in the movie, because they did You Only Live Twice first, he's already met Blofeld. Yeah. So he's seen Blofeld. That's the thing that makes this weird, this movie yeah, weird. absolutely. Because mm-hmm. even when he's like, and we could talk about this more in our review of it, what we think of it, but even when he's dressed as the count, he's still, it's still Lazenby. Like you can't, like he basically does he even have glasses on? I'm trying to remember. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but, like he has glasses on through that first what yeah. during that that whole uh, clinic sequence. Yeah, in, yeah until when they he's smash going him. undercover. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, what they were originally they had a storyline about him getting plastic surgery, and they just decided that was they didn't want to get into that. I guess I don't. I don't know. They just kind of decided the they weren't going to do I that. Mean, so. I don't think they've ever said one way or the other, or it, and maybe no one's ever asked them, but I mean, this could play like a prequel to one of the other bond adventures. Yeah, if they absolutely. wanted, if it could play as a prequel too, but I don't think they've ever said it is. So, no. so it's, it's, no, it's, it's definitely supposed to be a sequel. Like, cause he's looking, cause he's still looking for Blofeld. Cause at the beginning of the movie, he's, 
you know, he gets taken off that case. Yeah. So it's bizarre to yeah. say the least that, you know, uh, uh, you know, that he's like, I don't know what Blofeld looks like. Blofeld doesn't look like, know what I look like. <laughs> and it's like, you guys Although, saw each other in the last movie. I know. Even though they are both, they both do look different. Yeah, now they are different like actors. That's very true. That's very true. Which, you know, that. That's another, but that's another thing too. Like there, and and I disagree with this because of the continuity that they they keep trying to pull into these movies. Yeah. This is a, that's one thing that where people would say, well, this is a different person playing James Bond in 007 in the movie world. Yeah, and it's like no, they've dragged in all that stuff from the other movies into yeah. this character. There's that like uh, that fan theory, right? That 007 is well, and when they kind of touch on that in no time to die yeah they kind of play around with that a little bit they do but that the, but that the idea that james bond is just a is just like a designation mm-hmm. but there's no way that the the broccoli and saltzman there's no way they met that i mean because it's whole, impossible the whole marriage thing in this movie is still brought up even in the timothy dalton bonds yeah. later on yep so like <laughs> it's just one of those things we talked about more in that than it is in the next movie which is really odd right but, right uh, but uh but yeah so they just decided that we're just going to throw them in there you figure it out for yourself how you want to look at this yeah <laughs> uh over 400 actors reportedly were considered for the role i don't know how true that is but that's what i read in a couple different places uh, John Richardson almost got it. Uh, I have seen him. He appeared in a lot of Italian genre films. Like he's in Mario Bava's Black Sunday. Mm-hmm. But it didn't have any kind of real presence. So that would have been probably like a, a big deal for him. But he didn't get it. Uh, oddly enough, he also played a love interest of Ursula Andress in uh, 1 million years BC. Mm-hmm. Or 1 million BC. Uh, Terrence Stamp was another one that was thought about mm. oliver reed mm. i don't even know what the fuck that would be well and and certainly <laughs> they knew who oliver reed was by this point like oh, can you yeah. even imagine having oliver I mean, reed oh my well, god it's like and he was already like a difficult actor to work with right i would that's think. what I i'm mean, saying you yeah, know at this yeah. point what you're getting with oliver reed you're not going to put him in and potentially have him play bond for several more movies afterwards that that was one of the big things that they were talking about with uh carrie grant early on was not yeah. not that carrie grant has the same reputation as oliver reed but it, it, that carrie grant wouldn't be able to stick around for multiple bond chapters exactly. afterwards so like to get oliver reed that's insane yeah. it'd be like it'd be like putting tom cruise in or something yeah. where you you could yeah. make a bond film but every six or seven years if mm-hmm. you had him yeah, so those were ones, uh, and, and then also Timothy Dalton, which I actually knew that before. I remember hearing that before. Uh, he was only 25, though. Uh, he had just done Lion and Winter, mm-hmm. and it just kind of become a name. And uh, he actually, I don't know, I don't think he ever auditioned. Like, he, he wasn't offered the role. I think he was just offered to audition. He turned down the audition because he thought he was too young. And uh, I don't know, there might have mm-hmm. been more to it than that. He might have thought after doing something like already like, oh, not that Lion in the Winter is not like a big production. It is. But mm-hmm. maybe he just thought he should do more serious stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I think everything kind of works out for the better. I mean, I don't know that Roger Moore or Timothy Dalton being in this would have like, I, I kind of like that we got them later, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, George Lazenby. So he is working as a model. No prior film or acting experience. This has to be one of the craziest hirings yeah i mean i granted they've been doing this with some of the women but they also have very much smaller roles Mm -hmm. so like you're talking about a guy that you're putting on as the face of a franchise Mm -hmm. um that'd be like if somebody came and just like hired one of us to Mm -hmm. be on 
to be in like Mission Impossible or something. Yeah. Like you're gonna you're gonna take over for Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because you know we 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 liked a couple of CinemaSins videos. So here yeah. you go. Here's right. Your... He was selected after Broccoli and uh, Hunt saw his work in an advertisement for Fry's Chocolate Cream. Is yes. What I, is what I found. Yeah. Yeah. They're in the behind the scenes. They show pieces of that commercial. Yeah. Uh, oh, the... nice. See, uh, we have different Blu-rays because I didn't have a behind the scenes on this one for some reason. Yeah, the one that I have a I have the 50 year anniversary bond oh, okay. and um and I, every disc so far has had a behind the scenes on it. Well, um, my other ones had, but this one just had a couple of interviews and that was it. It was weird. But so. I know that back in 2006 when I was watching all these, I didn't get to see a lot of these behind the scenes because yeah. some of them didn't have it or i was getting a vhs copy yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because that's when we still rented vhs back in the day man (laughs) uh he was offered a contract for seven films he turned it down because his agent convinced him bond wouldn't work as a character in the 70s which is Hmm. i mean it's interesting i don't Mm -hmm. but i mean and I, i i i've read some stuff or i've seen some stuff on him where he also just was I mean, kind of, kind of fitting with his name, having Lay's in his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just all the he didn't really act much after this either. Mm-hmm. So he just said it was just sometimes it was just kind of like I. He said it was boring sometimes, mm-hmm. or it just it was he'd rather be doing other things. Yeah. So he just never really was that interested mm-hmm. uh, in doing much when it came to acting. So I I I have a feeling that's also why he didn't sign the contract. Uh, they bring Diana Rigg in. She plays the character of Tracy, who is a countess. Uh, Bridget Bardot was offered the role, mm-hmm. but she had been cast in the movie Shalako, which was oddly enough alongside Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is what Connery was doing instead of instead of the Bond film. Uh, but yeah, so they bring Diana Rigg in. Uh, she had always wanted to do like she was pretty. She was known for the Avengers at this point, the TV show, the Avengers, yep. not the comic book series. Uh, for anyone listening to this, it isn't what I'm talking about. Uh, which was also oddly enough made into a movie with Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Ray Fiennes. Yeah, He's also mm-hmm. in later Bond films. Yep, yep. And uh, and this would be their their second, at least their second big actress that they have uh, oh, uh, yeah. gotten from uh, from the Avengers because Honor Blackman mm-hmm. was in Goldfinger. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, Diana Rick, I, I don't even. Want, Diana Rick is fantastic in this movie, by the way. Yeah, she's I one mean, of the best actors that you have in this series for sure. I mean, I, I almost feel comfortable saying there's not going to be a better female performance in this series. I, I, I don't know. There's a few that will come close, but she, yeah, although, I mean, Eva, at least not till like Eva Green, yeah, Eva Green. Yeah, probably. At least till so. we get to that point. Probably so. Yeah, but she's in that conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, if I still agree with that after we're done, because uh, her performance this time through watching this just really hit me mm-hmm. um, when I was paying a little more attention to everything. Uh, Telly Savalas, we already mentioned, he plays Blofeld. Uh, I couldn't find a reason they wanted to recast Pleasance. Did they talk about that at all? Not at all. I'll- all I saw is just Peter Hunt didn't want him. And I, I don't know what it was, but he just didn't want him for some reason. It yeah. wasn't like Pleasance wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't offered to come back. No uh, idea. That, that was not, uh, that was actually not discussed unless I completely missed on yeah. it uh, in the behind I, the scenes. I doubt it was because like I said, I couldn't find anything other than they just didn't offer him the role. They just decided to go with Telly Savalas. Yeah. And because they had, I mean, the, the, the whole Blofeld thing to this point 
if you think about it, uh, there there hasn't been really any re- there hasn't been any true continuity because mm-hmm. for the most part they've been using hand models and like uh, yeah. and like uh, a voiceover for Blofeld, mm-hmm. and then they finally cast somebody you know in uh, You Only Live Twice. That guy didn't pan out, and then at the last minute, they're like, "Let's put Donald Pleasance in there." So I, I don't feel like they were wedded to Donald Pleasance at no, this point. No, I don't think so either. And um, I don't, they're obviously not wedded to, um, unless I find out something different. Um, you know, Savalas doesn't play him in Diamonds Are Forever; it's yeah, somebody else. And right. they, but they do do the plastic surgery thing in Diamonds yeah, Are Forever, at least yeah. with Blofeld, yeah. which is interesting. They yeah. kind of go back to that. Um, and then, so the only other thing I read about as far as casting Blofeld was that Maybom says he was picturing Max von Sydow playing him, but I don't think Max they ever Cito. offered him the Max von Sydow. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever offered him the role. I couldn't find anything where they did, but that's just who Maybaum had in his head, which is funny because Max von Sydow plays Blofeld in Never Say Never Again mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in 1983. Um, and then the only other characters, actually not a ton of characters in this one. It's a little small. I mean, as epic as it is with the with the locations and stuff, it's kind of smaller as far as the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabrielle Ferzetti, I'm going to go with, mm-hmm. plays Draco, mm-hmm. which I love that name. Yeah. Uh, this was interesting too because there was a lot more, there was, uh, they're still dubbing people. Um, Ferzetti was dubbed and then uh, Lazenby was dubbed when he was imitating. Oh, when he was imitating that guy, yeah. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. I didn't know that. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, as much as people get on to Lazenby, he's got a pretty good accent. But mm-hmm. then I found out that wasn't him. Which, and he didn't even know that that was going to happen yeah. either until he saw the movie. This yeah, is no, pretty, he was using his accent. This is once again, this is once again, we're talking about this, the, the dubbing. They needed Japanese actresses in You Only Live Twice to yeah. speak English. They needed them to speak English and didn't ever think about dubbing in that instance. But in every <laughs> other instance of somebody needing <laughs> assistance with that, they've had to dub over. I, Crazy. I Come on, man. There's some something weird going on there. I will mention as far as the cast, there is a, uh, she doesn't have a huge role in it, but there is a character, uh, Irma Blunt. Uh, she is played by, I'm going to screw this up. Uh, Ilse Stepat. Yeah. I, I don't, Stepat. I'm not even sure I heard the, I, I think the name was said and that's probably pretty close, but, uh, it's probably something like Ilsa Stuppet or something like that. So yeah, she's um she's kind of like the this movie's Rosa Klebb, which is yep. interesting because yep. uh, uh, that one is you know uh, from Russia with Love is kind of what they're trying to ape here. Although she is in the book, I mean it's not like they just made that character up. Mm-hmm. But I still thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so and then also I would want to mention because we haven't seen them that much in the last couple of movies. Lois Maxwell and Bernard Lee get yeah. a little more to do in this one, especially Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Maxwell's in quite a few scenes too because I think they're both at the wedding. Even they right? are, they yeah. are. And and oddly enough, like Desmond Llewellyn, this is probably the most like he's been on screen. But there's like there's no gadgets or anything in this movie. Like I'm even I don't even think we can rate gadgets because there's really think, nothing. Do you think he's? I, I feel like he's only got one one like token he's at scene. the wedding right it's at the wedding but is he anywhere else yeah he he i don't i can't i honestly don't even remember what they're talking about but he does he does like meet up with bond earlier in the film and they just have a conversation but he doesn't actually give him anything like there's yeah. no gadgets or anything he's just in the office okay uh but yeah that's it i mean i'm not saying he's in it a ton i'm just saying i felt like he was in it more 
the fact that he's in like maybe two scenes, God, I mean, that I, felt like more. I watched this, and and when I saw him at the wedding, I was like, oh, yeah. there he is. I didn't even remember <laughs> the other part. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong, but I'm almost positive he was towards the beginning. Either way, mm-hmm. uh, there's no gadgets or anything, so I don't even think we'll be ranking that one today because there's really no yep. point. Uh, John Glenn was the second unit director and editor on this film. Yep. Uh, he he he's responsible for the majority of the skiing and bobsled scenes. Mm-hmm. Yep. He'll come back. Uh, he comes back as an editor on Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker, and he also directs three of the other uh, Roger Moore films. Uh, when when they were doing the uh, the avalanche scene, this is just kind of trivia. I thought this was interesting. The Swiss Army would use explosions in the mountains on a regular mm-hmm. basis to prevent snow buildup in mm-hmm. in Switzerland. And uh, so they were going to shoot that, like they were going to, you know, go with them and then shoot that and use that footage. Uh, but somehow they missed that month's explosion or whatever. Uh, so they had to do a combination of man-made avalanche and some stock footage, but it mm-hmm. looked good uh, for the most part. And uh, harrowing too. Um, yep. I don't think they're saying much. They don't say much about like how much danger they felt shooting that. And yeah. again, we're talking about a real avalanche here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Glenn and everybody is shooting this, and the mm-hmm. and and as it's coming down towards them, I mean, it's like actually coming down towards them, and the, I, the apparently the snow goes over them, and it doesn't mm-hmm. hit doesn't actually hit them. So I guess they're in a place where they expect the snow to go over them, but I I don't know how you just stand yeah, there. I mean, it's it's crazy, like how like just. I mean, and these are like major studio productions, mm-hmm. like that have like insurance. Yeah, and you know, I I don't even know how they got insurance to you know doing well, crap and, like this. And speaking of, they that's uh, George Lazenby couldn't. What is it? Was it he couldn't do something in this movie because of insurance? Um, like he couldn't. Oh, he couldn't ski, or he yeah. couldn't get on the skis or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah, because of the insurance thing. So. Um. Well, and they even talked about, I didn't write this down, but I remember too, I read that uh, John Glenn, the way they were shot the ski scenes, like he was like at one point, like I think he's like hanging off of helicopters. I mean, it's something crazy. Like it just, it well, sounded that'd be, very. That'd probably be Johnny Jordan again. Uh, yes, who, yeah, yeah, that's who it was. Who was, who's doing that. And uh, he's, uh, we, we talked about this in the last one. It's, yeah, I can't remember which movie it is. He, he's going to, he, he's actually going to die soon because of this type of stuff that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but it's not this, it's not any Bond movie that it happens on. It's some other movie after mm-hmm. this. Yeah. He was nuts, but, uh, mm-hmm. and everybody uh, just, I mean, they talk, I mean, can you imagine working with a guy like that? Who's just oh, constantly doing it's stuff like, like that? Uh, I don't know why I just thought about this, but it's like the Brian Brown character in Along Came Polly that, mm-hmm. that Ben Stiller is trying to figure out if he can insure him or not, because he just goes and jumps off buildings and shit <laughs> just for the hell of it. Yeah. Know? That's, that's who that's, I, I wonder if he was like, uh, like, made like written after mm-hmm. that guy i don't know yeah but uh but the shots are amazing like yeah. i mean it's like i don't want the guy to die at all but i'm just saying like i mean he he went for it and when he was able to do it it was i mean that's the, if there's if there's anything you take out of this particular movie and like uh, and and some of these other other ones obviously but you take out of this movie is like they really that when they shoot the action they shoot they shoot some serious yeah. action yeah 
especially in this one. Mm-hmm. And Michael Reed is a cinematographer, and I would argue that he's also one of the main reasons that this movie works as well as it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to try not to give too much away about my actual opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say him and Diana Rigg have a lot to do with it, though. Yeah. Uh, reportedly, they were going to have Bond and Tracy drive off into the sunset, and then her death was actually going to come in the pre-credit sequence of Diamonds Are Forever. Yep. Uh, but then when Lazenby decided not to do it, and I don't, I I read one part. It sounded like Hunt decided not to direct Diamonds Are Forever because Lazenby left. Um, I don't know if he had an issue with Connery or he just decided he wanted to do something else. I don't really know. Or maybe he wasn't really offered Diamonds Are Forever after Lazenby left. Maybe they took care of that. Maybe mm-hmm. that took care of it. But regardless, uh, they decided to go ahead and do it in this movie since Lazenby wasn't going to come back. Yeah. And then longest. This is the longest Bond film. Yeah. Until Casino Royale in 2006. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think No Time to Die has to be the longest. No Time to Die though. is nearly three hours. Yeah, yeah. I think that has to be because I can't think of any of the other Craig ones that were anywhere close to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Casino Royale is like 220, 230, something like yeah. that. But uh, John Barry's back uh, for mm-hmm. the score. And it's this This is one of his... I mean, obviously they use some of the Bond stuff, but I think this is one of his better... like scores Mm -hmm. and this score gets used a lot like parts of the score get used a lot moving forward Mm -hmm. um which i don't know that a lot of people realize that i didn't know that Mm -hmm. until i started listening to it i'm like oh yeah this is in this one yeah uh we don't really get a theme song so they kind of go back to the doctor knowing from russia with love yeah there is this song in the movie called we have all the time in the world yeah it's sung by louis armstrong Mm-hmm. I don't know uh, outside of uh, what is it? It's um, what's the one he's what's the song he's known for? The, oh, uh, what a wonderful world. Or yeah, whatever. What, yeah. What a wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. His voice is so distinct, though. So it kind of like took me even if I liked the song, it kind of like almost took me out of it. Just yeah. because it's, it's like Louis Armstrong. Yeah. And that's nothing against him. He's an amazing, amazing performer. But yeah, yeah, but weird. it's it is an odd placement. It yeah. also, too, I don't know. Re- it, it takes it takes uh, having seen the latest Bond that you know the that was that was the line they used in in the uh, No Time to Die. We have all time all the time yeah, in the world, yeah. which I guess this is in the book somewhere because. It's weird that it would translate like that. Uh, yeah, no, it is. Um, they didn't do a theme song because um, Barry, Barry, they had done the theme songs that they had done over the last three all had the title in mm. there. And he's like, I don't know how to make On Her Majesty's Secret Service work as a line. Now, obviously, later on, we do have songs that don't have the title of the movie, like Written on the Wall, mm-hmm. the one for, I think it's Respecter. Uh, so they, they do do that, but most of the movies are, it's titled after the movie. And since he felt like he couldn't do that, uh, they just decided to, you know, do, do score over the opening credits and then, you know, show all that stuff. But, uh, but they, but he did compose this song, wrote this song. Yeah. Yeah. And there was some other song that was listed on the credits. I can't even remember what that one was though. There were two songs listed. There is. Yeah. I didn't write that one down. Um, I had, yeah, there is another song, but the, the, we don't, we, uh, we have all the time in the world was the big one. Yeah. But yeah, they did have like a little secondary one. Mm -hmm. Um, it, the film was released December 18th, 1969. Uh, worldwide box office of sixty four point six million, which isn't terrible, but it was only half of what You Only Live Twice made. Mm-hmm. It was eleventh at the box office in the U.S. that year. Uh, something I found interesting about that: um, 
Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was number one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was number one by a ton. It was like 50 million more than the number two film, which mm-hmm. was The Love Bug. Which is, yeah, I mean, you, you do see that um, uh, quite a bit in certain years where mm-hmm. the you number do. one movie sometimes is like hundreds of millions ahead of the se- yeah, second place. I think it's more common now. I, In my mind, at least, it stood out to me when I look at older top tens. Mm-hmm. Like That seemed to be a little more... But it might not be. But they, it definitely, I, I guess also I was surprised Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. I knew it was a popular film, but I didn't know it was that popular. Yeah. Um, it, or in that, in that time, you know, dollars and whatnot. Uh, reviews were not great at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, majority of the reason was Lazenby's performance. Yep. Uh, Donald Zeck of the Daily Mirror said he looks uncomfortably in the part like a size four foot in a 10 size gumboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but almost all the reviews praised uh, Diana Rick, mm-hmm. the cinematography, the action scenes, stuff like that. But people just couldn't get past Lazenby. Modern reception is a lot more positive. Uh, this is often found very high on franchise rankings now. Leonard Malton uh, even said that uh, it might have been exemplary if Connery had played the role instead of Lazenby. And mm-hmm. I've heard this from a lot of people. I don't know what I think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it's impossible to know and things would be different if it was, Con- you know, like yeah. maybe, maybe Diana Rigg isn't hired if it's Connery. I mean, I don't know. You know, yeah. you just don't know, you don't know how it plays out. Yeah. Cause I think Rig Rig was very purposeful because this was the one time they were like, Lazenby doesn't have a lot of experience. We need to get somebody playing off him mm-hmm. that does. Mm-hmm. And if it's Connery, I don't know that they care. They might just go look at model pictures again yeah. and, you know, it, I don't know. It could have been Twiggy or something. I, who the fuck knows? Um, <laughs> Twiggy. <laughs> I don't know where I could. I don't know why that's the one that popped in my head. Uh, but uh, ING, I, I'm sorry, ING, IGN uh, ranked it as the eighth best Bond film. I, I didn't put, the, I forgot to put the year down, but I think this was in the 2000s. I think these came right before Casino Royale. Entertainment Weekly said it was the sixth best, which is interesting, but that was the, also the ones that ranked You Only Live Twice as number two, yeah. as we talked about last week. Uh, but that's really all I have on the behind the scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and uh, start talking about what we thought of it. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a segment we like to call a review to a kill. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. We are going to give you our thoughts on the film we are discussing this week. This week we are discussing On Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, which I wonder, is that the longest Bond title? It's, it's up there. Uh, World is not enough. I don't know. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, real quick, because I, I don't, I, we don't, we sometimes get into the plot, but I did kind of want to start actually, especially because this plot is interesting. Uh, I did want to just say real quick, like the main plot of this movie. So you've got it opens with Bond saving a woman on the beach who appears to be attempting suicide. Yeah, uh, that ends up being Tracy, played by mm-hmm. Diana Rigg. Uh, they end up spending the night together uh, after he sees her again. Um, at a casino, and he has to pay off her uh, casino debt. Yep. Uh, then Bond is kidnapped. He's taken to see the Contessa's father in one of the weirdest scenes I've ever fucking seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. He offers Bond money to marry his daughter, and yep. even says something along the lines of, she needs to have sex, or something Basically, like that. Basically, she says he, she needs to have a man that makes love to her all the time, yeah. or something like that, yeah. 
Yeah, that I think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And then Bond refuses the money, but does say he will continue to court her if the dad can tell him where Blofeld is. So this kind of kicks into the Blofeld plot. Mm-hmm. And then after this, uh, it's basically just Bond trying to find uh, Blofeld, who has this crazy plan. This might be like the weirdest plan in any of the Bond films yet. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it, I think it is. He wants to... I wrote down, he wants to render all food, plants, and livestock infertile. And the way he's going to do this is he hire, he gets these beautiful women <laughs> who he calls the angels of death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they are spreading the virus Omega, which is the name of the, of the thing yeah. uh, that'll contaminate and sterilize the world's uh, food supply. Why he needs these women is not really not clear. I didn't see how it was explained. All and they're there under the guise that they are getting a cure of allergies of some sort. Yes, yes, that's their that's so they what they have think no is idea happening. that they're actually doing this no. evil thing. They're getting nope. hypnotized at night or whatever, like some sort of subliminal just, message tape or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it just seems like a superly overly complicated way to get to do this. I feel like there'd be easier ways if you wanted to contaminate it the world's is food supply. by far too complicated <laughs> what they've come up with here yes this one definitely like that plot line is so 60s which is weird because we're definitely even in 69 we're already kind of getting to what's going to become like 70s cinema mm-hmm. uh, where it's more auteur driven it's darker it's you know all that kind of stuff because uh, you know before this like well when you only live twice came out i mean you have like bonnie and clyde and the graduate and stuff like that that kind of almost feel more like a transition to what 70s cinema becomes so this movie is kind of odd where it comes out because it i i wonder if at the time this movie almost started to feel a little dated mm-hmm. uh and i can see the concern of what are we going to do with bond in the 70s yeah um, although they figure it out but uh, yeah, I don't. So really, though, like, what is your? Uh, was this just like the second time you had watched this? Have you seen this one a few yeah, times? Yeah, this is or? the second time, and uh, the first time I watched it back in two thousand six. I don't know if it was just the shock of seeing a new Bond, yeah. and a new adventure, or whatever. But I had this. I don't. I haven't gone back to rank all of these Bonds in a long time. But mm-hmm. I remember at the end of this run back in two thousand six when I saw everything. I ranked it pretty high. I might have even put it in the top five because it's cool. uh, one of those kind of movies. The second roll through, I don't know. It may still be up there. Um, but the thing that the, the Lazenby does stick out a little bit in this. Yeah, he does. And I don't know if it's just if it's just the fact that he's never acted before or or what there's something that's just a little bit missing he's not bad he's not like he doesn't take Mm -hmm. this movie down in any way no uh it's just that he's just kind of he's a handsome face and he says the lines and it's he says it with good humor but there's just something missing and it would require probably a person with really good knowledge of acting to tell me what exactly is missing from this performance because i've never been able to put my finger on it what exactly sean connery seems to have something Mm -hmm. else going on in his head while he delivers lines like it seems like he's natural this guy it seems like he's just like i'm waiting for the time that i can say something and then he then he says something with then he says something with a little little humor and a little pizzazz and then and then it's over um so lazenby is fine i don't have a real i don't have like an overall total problem with him I think it takes way too long to get to where it's going. There's a whole section 
uh, where there's like, I mean, there's a whole section of, you know, courting mm-hmm. uh, Diana Rigg during this. Like, it's just a big romance fest. And I understand he's trying to get to the point where he can mm-hmm. find Blofeld and all that. There's also that section where there's the other agent that's in here mm-hmm. uh, that who's trying to get up to the top of the mountain. He's doing it in a really stupid fucking way. Mm-hmm. I have never understood what his what his like he's he's actually going up to people and saying hey there's restaurants up there i saw advertisements for it and blah 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 they're like you can't go up there man this is off limits and whatever and he's like and then he just they kick him out of that little that little transom thing or whatever it is and then he whatever that whatever you call that this is the the, ski lift thing is this the agent this is the agent that gets killed right yes yeah which is uh, well, I'll talk about that when we talk about the book, but go ahead. <laughs> they have him in there. Like they, he does all, he makes a big deal about wanting to go mm-hmm. up to this mountain and they kick him out of the thing and he go and he stands there outside the, the window, still looking at them. <laughs> like, so is this weird. what spies do? And then like, he's like, Oh, now I'm going to climb the mountain. <laughs> Nobody's going to notice that. Um, and, and, uh, and they kill him instantly. And of course, just like always, they don't kill Bond instantly for some reason. Oh, no, once no, he's found that's out, ridiculous. they just throw him in a machine room and say, Hey, have, I don't even know what their okay. plans were for him. Do you remember the, the scene where room. the guy is, has him dead to rights and then asks him to lay down in the boat? Why are you asking him to lay down in the boat? Just fucking yeah. shoot him. I wrote that one I, down because that was ridiculous. No idea, but um, all that lead up and everything, I think they, they, they definitely could have found trims in a lot of this uh, and made this a tighter yeah. uh, movie. But Diana Rigg is terrific, as you've already mentioned. Uh, she disappears uh, for a while too, which also the movie doesn't isn't as good. But there's yeah. a there's her fingerprints are all through yes. this. Like like even when he's going in and he's like seducing the women that are up in the clinic and everything, yeah, and you're sitting weird. there going, you're sitting there going, no man, you have Diana Rigg at home. <laughs> what are you doing? This is not right. This is not Bond. And it's like it's totally Bond for him to do this stuff. In fact, before he even goes on this mission, she says, I don't think he's in love with me or anything like that. So. He's not like he's not like committed yeah. to her or anything, but it still feels weird when you got Diana Rigg I, waiting at home. I think the whole thing, the 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 thing that Connery did really well, like not did really well necessarily, but like the whole like the the character trait of Bond where he was a womanizer. I don't know. I don't know if Lazenby's just not doing a good job of it, but like about half the movie, it feels like he's not even that interested in in a mm-hmm. lot of women and stuff, but. Then there's these like weird scenes that are way more pervier than they've ever been in any film. Like that scene with Money Penny, he grabs her ass, yeah, yeah, and kisses yeah. her, and right, it's just, it, which is it's it, yeah, before that it was this playful banter. Yeah. And now it's con- gotten a little bit yeah. more He's, like he gets yeah. grabby and and it's he gets just grabbier. Yeah, and I don't know if Lazenby, it's just the way he plays that scene, but it comes off like creepier than it normally it does. does. It does. It very much so does. But then um, for the, like, but then he'll be like perfectly nice gentleman, you know, for thirty minutes well, and doesn't seem to care at all. It's weird. Now we, you know, we talked about the the Blofeld plan, which is one of the weirdest of all time. But it's also one of the weirdest of all time how Bond gets into Blofeld's circle, mm-hmm. which is. This whole thing about a uh, a family seal and mm-hmm. like some sort of inheritance or or uh, like a, a title that uh, that Blofeld is it feels like he's owed uh, from this family called Le Blochamp, which apparently in French is the same as Blofeld, mm-hmm. which is bullshit. He has to <laughs> he, he has to like I he goes to this. 
college and he's uh he learns from this guy who that's his job is 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 knowing family genealogies mm-hmm. and stuff like that and that's where he has to learn how to speak like him mm-hmm. and he has to have the knowledge like him of course he makes some weird mistake later so that blofeld knows that which uh, by that the way Bond, that that actor is who that actor dubs um yeah, we talked about that. Oh no, I know. I didn't know if I mentioned the actor, but it's the guy that plays that character that uh, ends up actually dubbing, which is funny. Yeah, maybe that's why I thought Lazenby did a good job because he sounded just like him. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but that's a that's a weird thing. That's but I I, I think that was kind of cool actually. It's just when yeah. they get to the Blofeld plan, that was like, uh, okay, that's oh, it's I don't even I don't even know what the you're o- talking about. The only thing I didn't like about the undercover thing is there's this there's this whole like really weird scene where they're eating and he's just going over like what counthood is and it just it's like a you're getting like a lesson on like manners yeah. and actions and all, and I don't know that just that well, talk about scenes that could have been cut down a little bit but yeah and he's proving himself yeah, and you can see yeah. like you can see like all the women like there's many mm-hmm. women who do not find this ama- amusing at all mm-hmm. in that scene but there's there's still like a couple who are like I still can go for that but once it gets to the point where uh you know we have bond in the machine room and he escapes and there's the ski scene there's the avalanche there's the the big uh, um assault on the compound later on where the um where banco held Barco, what was it? Was it name Draco? Dra- Draco. I keep yeah, Draco yeah. Banco. Uh, thinking of the uh, the uh, uh, the the card game because yeah. I keep saying Banco <laughs> Banco in that with the uh, um, uh, what is it? Uh, what's the game? What's the card game? I can't think of the name. What's the card game they play? Oh, Baccarat. Baccarat. Yeah. Uh, they keep keep saying the Banco yes. in that and all the way through that. So. Anyway, Draco, yes, uh, has that big, huge the helicopter assault uh, scene where they're pretending to be like you know mission mm-hmm. a group like a uh, missionaries or something mm-hmm. like that, and uh, and Blofeld's men want to shoot them down, but they keep saying, "Hey, we're missionaries. You don't want to do that." Blah 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 blah, and then they end up assaulting the compound, of course, because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll like blowfeld stupid i guess uh but uh but that whole scene too the whole assault on the compound's great and that mm-hmm. has that great scene where lazenby is like uh sliding across the the ice and oh, shooting yeah. and everything is really cool scene um so it it really gets the by the end of it you're like wow there was a lot of like cool action mm-hmm. really cool cool shots in it uh really enjoyed it i just wish they could have chopped about 30 minutes yeah that would have been fine i came to this movie a little later in life i watched it probably like in my 20s or something for the first time i think this was only the third time i'd seen it because i watched it again about maybe even this year might have been earlier this year but it's been in the last year and i Mm -hmm. didn't really have that great a time watching it that time i remember but i was also probably one of those things where i wasn't like i probably wasn't like really watching it i just had it on i was doing other things Mm-hmm. But when I actually watched it this time, um, it was like a 180. Like I, I had so much fun, especially coming off of "You Only Live Twice" and Thunderball. This one just felt more like there were stakes, and mm-hmm. these are. This is probably the best looking Bond film so far. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you're in Switzerland for the majority of it, so that that's kind yeah. of a cheat because uh, that's one of the most beautiful countries <laughs> in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is like it's not even I I think the action scenes especially well this is interesting the first action scene where he's fighting and the pre-credit sequence is not great and 
I remember thinking like, oh, that yeah, that's yeah. that's terrible. But then, man, the it, all the other action scenes in the rest of the movie are fantastic mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously there's moments that could probably be, you know, there's going to be where you can tell there's I don't know if it's green screen, whatever they do at that time, but matte paintings or whatever. But for the most part, like it looks awesome, especially the skiing, um, which made me think because we we send a view to a kill right before uh, No Time to Die came out, and mm-hmm. there's ski scenes in that, and they're so bad. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's not this is not the first ski. There's like a several ski scenes coming up in Bond movies. Oh yeah, after yeah, yeah. This. absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But View to a Kill is yeah. the one that always stands in my mind because they're playing California girls. And I believe, all that bullshit. and I believe the spy who loved me has got a big oh, ski does. scene it in does. it. Yeah, so and it's probably uh, not a bad one either. It's been a minute since I've watched that one, but um, but no, it does. Uh, but I really like the way they filmed the action on the slopes. And there's one scene where he's skiing. There's one scene where they're doing bobsleds, and it's just I don't know. It's just it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're really exciting scenes like they're really yeah. fun to watch um yeah and man and talk about uh that's a, that's something that uh was harrowing apparently mm-hmm. shooting that bobsled thing because they have i guess they have somebody they have a a, a telly savalas body double in the in the in the bobsled mm-hmm. thing or whatever and he's supposed to like you know he's supposed to hit his head on this tree mm-hmm. or whatever apparently when they shot it uh, the guy like just I don't know he either ran into the tree and it just kind of like it it just kind of it didn't do the wedge thing that they wanted to do or whatever mm-hmm. so they had to go back to Pinewood and shoot Telly Savalas <laughs> like hit like with that yeah. that one close up of him in the in the tree yeah. branch or whatever and that's like the only stuff I mean that's kind of noted that's the only stuff that really kind of stands out in those scenes is a little awkward but I think overall like just the way and obviously we talked about the the extent they went into shooting those scenes. I don't know how there's ever a safe way to shoot something like that though. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like that's gotta be difficult, uh, shooting like skiing and action scenes while people are skiing. But I love, like, if you can do a good action scene, like on the slopes, I love it. Like that automatically mm-hmm. gets me in. Uh, that's probably yeah. why I like cliffhanger more than I should because. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then, uh, I love Diana Rigg. Like we've already said, she's mm-hmm. awesome. I think Telly Savalas is good. I mean, I love Donald Pleasance, but like I, that didn't bother me because I think Telly Savalas yeah, is I mean, perfectly going fine. Going from Pleasance to Telly Savalas yeah. is 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 perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh. And then we haven't even gotten to the ending, but um. I I just I love the arc that this movie takes, where you've got the whole thing with him and Diana Rigg is you know they meet and he he helps her out a couple of times and they end up forming a bit of a relationship. And then he gets, you know, bought in by the dad because the dad can get Blofeld to him. And then so you deal a lot with, you know, Diana Rigg trying to figure out if she can trust him or not. Because there's some really good stuff between her and her dad, too, where, you know, she's like, if you don't give Bond the information that he wants now, like, I am I will never see you again. There's like these really fun, like, not fun, but these really interesting scenes with them. It's just stuff that they would never do, like, in the previous films. Like, mm-hmm. uh, But they add so much character to the story and they grow the character so well. And then all that leads up to them getting married. And then, of course, the tragic ending. And, I mean, it's fucking bleak. Like, I didn't remember that. Mm-hmm. But the way oh, they yeah. do that ending. And I read, like, so, uh, spoiler. Bob, obviously, we're doing spoilers anyways. But, uh, you know, Diana Riggs character gets killed uh, while they're driving away from their wedding. I can't remember if Blofeld kills her or if it's the woman. It, it is the woman. Because yeah, okay. Blofeld's just kind of in the car. He's in the car, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, thing up there. But uh, it's... 
I heard the way because Lazenby does this thing afterwards where he's talking to the cop that shows up and saying she'll you know she's just sleeping, uh, she'll be up in a second. What I saw about that or read about that maybe this was in the behind the scenes was that uh, Hunt had Lazenby there all day rehearsing that scene to the mm-hmm. point because he knew if he did that by the time it got to be like four or five o'clock when they actually shot it he would just be so like out of it and just mm-hmm. worn out. And mm-hmm. uh, I that worked because that's probably the best acting he does in the entire film is that scene. And in the in the behind the scenes, Lazenby, uh, many years later, obviously mm-hmm. is is in an interview saying that um, he had read the book, so he had mm-hmm. know he knew that this was a, a big scene, and then he really wanted to to do well in the scene. And yes, he does because he's totally in shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when, uh, you know, he, cause he says something, you know, just completely sort of like, you know, I can't even remember what his lines are in there, but he, he's not saying anything like that's coherent really. No, he's just basically saying like, you know, she'll wake up soon and then we'll get going. I mean, that's not specific, yeah. but it's stuff like that is, and he's like holding mm-hmm. her and he's like petting her and he like kisses her or kisses her hand. Yeah. Uh, it's a really, it's a very, very exciting. I mean, that's definitely like. Uh, prior pre like going up to like which obviously no time to die also has like kind of a crazy ending but but this but but the no time to die one is a lot like more epic mm-hmm. whereas this is like super like just it's really it's 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 much it's like smaller i guess in comparison mm-hmm. it's just this really simple thing that happens it's not this big epic like the island's about to explode and all that stuff right. you know so yeah. to me, this is a little more interesting even than that. Although I do, I mean, that's a, that's a great ending. And that's one of the only, that's one of the reasons I would somewhat recommend No Time to Die. Yeah. From what I remember. And it just straight up ends like right after that. Like it doesn't yeah. have any I love that. coda or anything. It just goes straight to and the I, credits. And so. that's a thing that a lot of films did back in the day. And I, I really miss, even up to the eighties, there's a lot of eighties films that do that too. They just end, mm-hmm. you know, and I, yeah. God, I'm like American Werewolf in London is one that always sticks in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I love that. I wish I wish more movies would do that. We don't have to have these like shawarma scenes and stuff. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just end the movie. We're good. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I I really really enjoyed it. I don't think I could say it's better. I, I think I'm still probably. I don't know if it's better than From Russia with Love and Goldfinger, but it's definitely in that conversation uh, for me. Mm-hmm. But there is Lazenby's not great. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's gotten to the point now where I hear so much negative about him. It doesn't bother me as much anymore. Cause I'm like, he's not that bad, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know that he's very good. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that he really, I mean, except, well, although you're saying he, he did want that scene to go well, but I mean, mm-hmm. I get the impression he wasn't a huge fan of acting once he did it. So yeah, maybe that's he's, something he's he, dealing with too. He knew, I mean, in that interview that they keep going to pieces of, he says, I wasn't ready to play somebody like that back then. So you can, you can tell. Yeah. Now there is, uh, they don't do a lot. There's not a lot. It's weird. Cause this movie definitely does try to take things more seriously, but then you have weird stuff that also kind of takes me out of the movie. Like the fourth wall breaks weird mm-hmm. uh, there's that he has that one-liner where the guy gets killed in the by the way that scene was wild i'd forgotten about that where the guy goes like in the snowblower or whatever that is or yeah what, man it's so violent oh my god and especially because everything i guess because there's snow and everything so when all that comes out and it's just red you know it's yeah crazy. and you can even see like pieces of like clothing yes, and stuff yes. going through there but then lazenby says he had a lot of guts yeah yeah 
<laughs> and it's yeah. both it's it's kind of funny but it's also just kind of like wait what what this that's not yeah, what this movie just, is um, oh my god i also wonder if that was an inspiration at all for fargo that scene in fargo it probably yeah, wasn't, it may have been but, i don't know but that's immediately what i thought of uh yeah but yeah no i just think i agree with you i think this is probably a little too long i there's definitely like 20 25 minutes of this you could cut and we wouldn't mess it but mm-hmm it's really good. Like, and it's definitely one I wish was talked about more. Like we talked about last week, how you only live twice doesn't seem to be talked about. And I kind of get why, cause it's just kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this has a lot going for it. Um, I think, I think Lazenby does hold it back though. I think that's probably why it doesn't get, I mean, you do have, I do hear people say Lazenby is their favorite bond, which I don't get, but you know, yeah, uh, I don't, yeah. But for the most part, it's it's people don't talk about him fondly. But as you're saying, if it's if it's Connery in this, they may not have Diana Rigg. Uh, yeah, they I don't may know. Not have a I lot don't of or, a lot of different things may not happen in this movie. If it's Roger Moore, you know, because Roger Moore just mm-hmm. he, he's very good as Bond, but it's a different. It's just a different style, and mm-hmm. I don't know that it fits. And all the Spy Who Loved Me. And for your eyes only, definitely get into some. It gets a little darker, but still, Roger Moore mm-hmm. is just. I don't know. I, when I think of Roger Moore, I just think of like karate chops to the neck. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, he's a little more whimsical, I guess, mm-hmm. in the role. Yeah. Uh, a little more perverted maybe at times. Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know that he plays this well. Timothy Dalton, I think, is too young. I, I think he was right not to mess with it, but I don't know. I lazy, I mean, it has Lazenby in it. There's nothing we can do about it. It's. But you do wonder, if Connery is in this, is this easily the best Bond film? You know, that is... Mm-hmm. That, yeah, if all the same elements occur, yeah, if, if everything Connery else is, is here, the same, and it's just Connery mm-hmm. delivering the lines, you know. Yeah, I think I think probably so. I think so yeah. too, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, but yeah, no, I I really enjoyed my time with this, which I because I was I don't know what I was doing the last time I watched it to where I didn't enjoy it as much as I did, but this time just mm-hmm. taking the time to sit there, not not being distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a really good time with it. I think Blofeld's plan is silly. That that takes mm-hmm. a little bit away from it. But that's also kind of fun in a weird way. Uh, yeah. And it kind of gives a little levity maybe that the movie needs because at the end, like I said, it gets so bleak at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I don't know if Diamonds Are Forever kind of messes this movie up because they don't, they just kind of, from what I remember, it's almost just like a one-off line. Uh, they don't, they definitely don't deal with this in any 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 interesting way, shape, or form. Uh, mm-hmm. but they do say it's happened, but they just don't really deal with it. It's just kind of like, I don't remember what he says. I feel like there's just like a off the cuff remark or something. And that's like, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so there is definitely some, there's a few things here that keep it from being like, you know, five stars, but it's yeah. definitely an easy four star for me, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything else to I think we kind of covered I don't think it, so. uh, yeah. but uh, hopefully if you were listening to us talk about it, you've already seen it because I'd hate that I gave away that ending. Although I think, I feel like that's an ending that a lot of people know, uh, mm-hmm. even though they might not know the context of it. But I think, I think the idea that Bond was married, I mean, I think if you're into the Bond franchise at all, even if you haven't seen the film, you've probably heard that, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know, maybe not. So I don't know. And it's it's a it's a really yeah. Good I think movie. most people most people listening to this are probably gonna yeah. have seen the movie. I would think so. All right. So uh, yeah. So that's what we thought of the movie. Uh, and now we're gonna talk about for a few. Not I don't have a ton to talk about, but we will get into the book a little did, bit. Huh? Did we actually rate rate it with oh, the Martinis? Oh, I'm sorry. God, I'm just forgetting all that. Okay. So yes, we uh, before we go into the next segment, uh, as Chris just showed just told me. 
uh, we need to do our rankings. We have five different categories, although we're only going to do, I think, four today because I just don't really think mm -hmm. there's a point talking about the gadgets. There's just nothing there. I mean, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I don't think there's a single gadget. I don't think. No. I can't think of anything. They don't even do anything with the car. I mean, they, they show the car, but they don't do anything with it. Yeah, there's no gadgets. So we rank the films in five different categories. Today, it'll be four. Uh, our scale will be based on something that Bond holds near and dear to his heart as long as they are shaken and not stirred, and that would be martinis. So for each category, we're going to rank from one to five martinis, five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips, and one being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night. So, oh, wait, I got away from that. So our first one will be, so just, yeah, I think we kind of just talked about this, but our overall feeling toward the movie, I already just said four stars. So I'm, that's definitely where mm -hmm. I'm going, four martinis. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna put this at three point five maybe, um, just because it's because I get it. Lazenby, mm -hmm. huh? I was just saying I because, get it. Yeah, because Lazenby is 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 a, you know is is new to this and he's mm -hmm. definitely doesn't feel like Bond throughout. Mm -hmm. It does feel like this whole chapter feels like it. It feels like something they did. It's kind of like Casino Royale felt, yeah. except for the except for the fact that Casino Royale was just being uh, goofy oh, the whole yeah, time. Oh, yeah, sixty-seven Casino Royale. I'm with you now. Yeah, the uh, it it just feels like like hey, we we've got this property, mm -hmm. James Bond. We're gonna do this, and it's not Sean Connery, but here it is. And like, and then like afterwards, they make this other movie that just completely just forgets. Yeah, I agree. That any you know that anything any of this happened so. To have a different bond and a and a one where he gets married and all this stuff is like it's just it just it feels like this should be somebody else other than Connery, even though I, Connery would have elevated it. I agree. I um, think well, and I think Diamonds Are Forever kind of kind of takes it down a little bit because mm -hmm. it is such a dis. I mean, I mean, we I, we don't want to get too much in Diamonds Are Forever, and I mean, I might have different opinions after I watch it again, but just what my my memories of it, you know, when we send it a few months ago or whatever, a year ago, whatever that was. I don't know how long ago that was. Um, I, that might actually take that. I mean, that's not really Honor Majesty's Secret Service's fault, but mm -hmm. it just sucks to end like this and then go to Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's just, it's just weird. It just feels like a one-off. And so, um, and, and the length and everything and the weird Blofeld plan, I think that just, uh, those are all enough mm -hmm. chips in the armor to kind of like, you know, get it down to a three point five, but uh, it really comes through by the end of this yeah. movie. Like, like nearly everything in the last thirty minutes is great. Yeah, and I think so, I think that's the main. I think it ends. Yeah, you're right. It ends on such a high note. It's hard to go too hard on it for the other stuff mm -hmm. because it does it does something it does something better than I think any Bond film has done. Even up, mm -hmm. even Goldfinger and For Much with Love, because I think both of them kind of tapered off a little bit toward the end, whereas this mm -hmm. one really kicked into gear. And just yeah. gave you these action sequences that we would get copied and uh, they would get a lot bigger after this. But, mm -hmm. you know, you're watching it in this one. You're just like, can you imagine, though, if like I was actually thinking if they were going to just full on remake a Bond film, I would love it. to. I, I would be curious to see this one remade. Can you imagine like Daniel Craig in this movie? I mean, that would have been amazing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. All right, so that was that. Uh, we've also talked about this, but the Bond, the the, the performance. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I can't do one. I mean, that's mean. I'll, but no. I, but it's definitely it's two two and a half at best. It's just yeah, you know. And 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 yeah, I mean, it, we it makes it seem like 
you know, it's like it, every time you rate somebody's performance, mm-hmm. you feel like you're a bastard for doing oh, so, yeah. especially since this is his first well, acting think, job ever. I think also we're um, talking about a lot more. I mean, yeah, because I shouldn't just say the performance, because when we're talking about the Bond, I mean, that has to do with the writing. That has to do with the story. I mean, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, him giving the. So we, sh- we should probably make that mm-hmm. so people don't think we're just. Like this guy was shitty. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he's a two, and and it's and and you know, I I I imagine you you could have put anybody who was uh, inexperienced and and we uh, like a name today who was inexperienced mm-hmm. into this role, and it would have been it would have come off a little bit like the same thing. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? I mean, even if let's say they just got Roger Moore to do this or whatever, I think we'd still be kind of like trying yeah. to compare we'd be comparing him to well, connery and, and all especially this. with connery coming back yeah so i mean we have we have we have a lot of you know we didn't we, we have knowledge that the people back then didn't uh, yes. didn't have right yes. so like so like when he came in at this time everybody's like oh this is not connery and you know now you can kind of you have you know 40 something year 50 years of uh of uh and almost 60 now mm-hmm. of uh of uh of bond history uh, to sort of compare things to but anyway yeah he's kind of he's a he's a two and it's not it's nothing against lazenby it's just that no, it's, I, they they made the wrong choice I, to make it put him in here i don't think he had a chance like i, I just i i am not shocked at all people did not like it when it came out I, i'm not because mm-hmm. because also like at that point I don't even know. I mean, maybe there was, I'm sure there were franchises. Like I know like, you know, Charlie Chan films, they had different people play Charlie Chan and stuff like that. I mean, there were examples of this, but something on this level, this huge, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the first time that's really happened. So I, I totally get why people at this in 1969 were like, fuck this movie. Like I totally Mm -hmm. get it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't blame it. Cause I think you're also going into it with, you're already going into it with probably some strikes against it. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, but uh, but I but I'm glad that it's gotten reappraised because it definitely yep. deserves to be reappraised. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, two on that uh, gadget. Well, we're not doing gadgets because I'm sorry. So uh, villain or the henchman. You know, it's it's interesting. I like Telly Savalas. I'm trying. I just I can't really decide. Like I think I, I yeah I think I'm I think I might do three and a half because I really like Telly Savalas in this, but. I don't really think as much about Blofeld because I'm thinking more about the Lazenby and Rig, you know, their relationship mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, that's what stands and, out to me. But and and the Irma Boont character is is uh, is a fun is a fun villain. Uh, I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. something they've kind of done before. And but they like cut a, it, they cut a scene with her, so she would have had a little more to do. But they cut like an action scene that she was involved in too. So. This movie would have been yeah. longer, but <laughs> yeah. she would have had more but, to do. Um, I the villain plan and all the different things, mm-hmm. it, like the, I'm not going to remember too much about this villain, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Even though Telly Zavalas is playing it, so I'd probably give this a three. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just because it's yeah, it's it's going to be one of those things. Like we get ten more bonds in, I'm going to be like, what was that weird? Uh, <laughs> What was that weird uh, thing that they did in Honor Majesty's Secret Service <laughs> with the the virus or whatever? You know, I, 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 was that? I can't remember who was that. Was that Tally Savalas? Yeah, I mean, it was. It's going to be like that, I think, after ten oh more of these. And they were like the Austin Power Fembots were responsible or whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. 
Uh, so we're not doing gadgets, but we are, I guess, uh, the Bond song, we usually rank that. I mean, I guess we can. I mean, they, like, the, the I, I will say, maybe with the Bond song, maybe we should talk about the score. Because, like, if you were just going to do the score on this one, I would do, like, four at least. Uh, yeah, yeah. If not five. But the the one song, or the couple of songs we get, specifically the one that Louis Armstrong sings, it's not that against mm-hmm. Louis Armstrong, but that's just such a weird, like, it's just it's composed a, oddly. It doesn't fit yeah. him. At all. It doesn't fit this movie. Yeah. And it doesn't fit the movie. No, there's like nothing about that. that mm-hmm. So I, I, I mean, I'll give it, I guess I'll give it a two, but. I mean, the lyrics, the I suppose, have, I mean, because that's what they say at the end. And of course, that's what we hear in No Time to Die at the end, too, where they're, when they're driving uh, to wherever they're driving. And we have all the time in the world and all that. But it doesn't, ha- the song, the way it sounds and all of that doesn't fit the movie yeah, at all. I so, agree. Yeah. All right, so that's it for that. So now we're going to talk about the book uh, for just a minute. I don't have a ton on it, like I said. Uh, this is a pretty faithful adaptation. Uh, but uh, but I did also talk about last week. I'll be able to talk a little bit because I didn't want to spoil on Her Majesty's Secret Service last week if people were watching the movies weekly with us. Uh, mm-hmm. So I didn't talk as much about the ending of, you know, uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service and what, what, what in You Only Live Twice is coming off of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I gotta say that a different way, but anyways, let's get into this. This is a segment we like to call the Spy Who Reads Me. Reading is one of my very favorite things to do. Whoa! I'm not reading that crap. Summarize it in one word. Now you want to talk about reading? Let's talk about reading. How can you read this? There's no pictures. Cinema Sins might have taught you that the book doesn't matter, but for this segment, we're willing to concede it at least kind of does. Going to give you the nitty gritty on what is similar to what you saw on the screen, what is different, and there will be plenty of what the hell was Ian Fleming smoking when he wrote this. Although not as much as I thought there would be in the long run. Um, so this is the 10th novel in the in the series. Uh, it is considered the middle chapter in a series of books that are dealing with Bond's war with Blofeld. So this comes right in the middle. This ends with her dying. And then You Only Live Twice is Bond wanting to get revenge on Blofeld. Um, and it's also deals a lot with just, You Only Live Twice deals a lot with him kind of just dealing with this, dealing with the fact that he actually decided to get married, which is a, like a, I mean, that's a huge thing that Bond would get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then once he does, you know, she gets killed like almost immediately after they get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of what You Only Live Twice deals with. So the main difference in this book, and Honor Ma- going back to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, I think the main difference in the book versus the film is just where it's set in the continuity. So mm-hmm. we've already mentioned you have the issue with the fact that Blofeld should already know who he is based on mm-hmm. the way they did the movies. Yep. Uh, and they don't. And that's another thing, which I didn't even talk about that when we were talking about the movie itself. That they don't do a very good job with that. But But nope. at the same time, like, you know, whatever. I mean, it's fine. It it doesn't like, you know, really take it down that much, but it is one of those things that just, I mean, we would definitely send that if we ever send this movie. I mean, there's no way we would because mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. weird. Uh, yeah. They should have done the plastic surgery or something. Yeah. Uh, that would have made a lot more sense. Uh, but yeah, but that's where most of the differences come. Uh, come. It's just based on the fact that you only live twice follows this in the novels, whereas in the movies it's reversed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Bond, oh, we already mentioned him meeting that. So in the book, so in the movie, let's go to the movie first. In the movie, which we didn't talk about this, but he actually tries to resign uh, from from MI6. And then mm-hmm. uh, Elm and Moneypenny, I guess, pull this trick where they give him two weeks leave instead so he can still right. go and 
you know, do what he's going to do. Cause I'm assuming M knows what he's going to do in those two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the book, uh, Bond has actually like, he's gotten tired of looking for Blofeld. Like he's just kind of bored with the whole case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he starts to think that maybe he's tired of his, for his job. And this, so that's why he initially resigns. I, that's something I actually think is helped is handled better in the, in the movie, uh, than it is in the book. The suicide attempt that Tracy uh, has in the movie, it comes at the beginning and then the casino scene is after it in the book. That's reversed. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them play about the same. I, I, I don't, I, the only thing about the movie is I don't know exactly why he stops other yeah. than he just sees a car. Yeah. I, so that's the only thing in the movie that I, I, I felt like maybe this is something that'll get explained later and then it doesn't. So I, I don't know if we're supposed to think there's a reason or if he just saw like a woman out there and we just didn't see him see the woman. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just kind of a weird scene. Uh, yeah. And then he ends up fighting some people and stuff too. So that's, that's odd. But, uh, and then also in the novel, uh, Tracy isn't kidnapped uh, by Blofeld, which is something we didn't talk about in the movie, which I mean, it's, it doesn't matter, but I mean, I'm just saying, but he does actually kidnap her. And I think for the movie that makes more sense because it brings her mm-hmm. back into it. There's jeopardy, there's stakes and, so I yeah. think it makes a lot more sense in the movie the way they did it based on how they told the story. Uh, and then also, like in the book, for some reason, well, I mean, they're hiding out, but Blofeld and uh, Irma Blunt are actually at the wedding. Uh, there's this whole thing about them talking about what they're going to do and all that kind of stuff. So they're actually mm-hmm. at the wedding. I, I'm assuming they might have been in the movie, too. We just didn't see them because, I mean, they would have to know when he's leaving and all that stuff. Was uh and one other thing we didn't talk about with Tracy is her the way they char- they set up that character is um I don't know if it's in the book but she is a, basically a bored socialite she's like um yeah you know she's she she was basically I don't know uh, essentially banished to some other country to live her wealthy life or whatever and and sort of mow through men and money and all sorts of stuff and. And um and but she always comes back when her dad has a birthday mm-hmm. or whatever, and this is sort of what he's he's sitting there like hoping that she'll settle down and you know yeah uh, all that. So there so her character is kind of uh, like she's bored at this point, and of course there's the you know there's obviously some sort of uh, other issues going on if she's wanting to walk into mm-hmm. an ocean and all of that, but. Um, but I don't know if that's, is that how she's written yeah, I mean, in the book? All the, basically, I mean, there, mm-hmm. there might be some specifics about what she's talking about that she's been doing that are different, but for the most part, no, it's that she's bored and she just doesn't know mm-hmm. what she just doesn't, she doesn't know what, why she wants, like, what is there to live for? That kind of thing. She's definitely mm-hmm. at a, in a, in a down spot. Just, you know, she's just like, you know, I just got all this money and stuff, but I'm not happy. And you know, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. no, they definitely, they definitely, they definitely touch on that. So, uh, yeah, that's Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, All guys. I right. uh, hope everybody enjoyed that discussion. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are at GoldSpy007. Uh, you can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at SamLoomis13. You can email us at golddiamonddeath 7 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSins brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, we would appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, we hope you will join us again next week. We will be talking about Diamonds Are Forever, uh, 
which I feel like we talked about that a lot this week, but I didn't mean to. But uh, I still didn't get to do any specifics. I don't. Well, think. it's it's the it's the one that comes after, yeah. and there's a lot of like weirdness based uh, off of this movie, and and uh, we talked about you only live twice a bunch too That's true. because it was it's yeah. it's that. I think it's in that trilogy of uh, books that you're talking about. So. so yeah, so we'll be talking about that next week. Hope you join us. Until then, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gas. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off, and we will see you next mission.